Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, once again, we held it off to the end of the week. It's your mailbag questions. Anything you got with the Bucks, the Rays, the Lightning, you name it, bring it to the table. They will all be answered 100% correctly. Or your money back. Let's get started, Steve Versnick. All right, we're going to start with Captain Brady, who tweeted us. He said, <laughs> just wanted to ask, all these new Buccaneers contracts are three years, including the one announced for playoff Lenny, or paid off Lenny, as we call him. Do you think that this may entice Tom Brady to play another season? You know, I don't know what would entice him to, but there was talk um, at the end of last season when they didn't make the, uh, you know, to the championship game. There, there was a lot of narrative about, well, he knows that they're not going to be any good because they have so many free agents and there's so many question marks about this team that he probably feels like, you know, with the offensive line dissolving and then Marpet retired and Jensen was a free agent and Kappa and so on. And he had, you know, Godwin's ACL and the fact that he might have to be franchised again. And there wasn't really a depth at receiver, um, you know, there was with all the free agents the narrative was out there that why would Tom Brady want to want to come back? You know, like if he does come back, it's probably going to be with another team because you can't possibly think that he could win another Super Bowl in Tampa Bay. He's exhausted, you know, sort of all the salary cap room. That was another problem. They didn't have any room and that they weren't going to be able to resign most of these free agents. And then he does come back and just his pure announcement and the fact that he got on FaceTime with a lot of guys, uh, some old, some new, and, and let them know they have locked a lot of these players up for multi-years, you know, not, not just one or two years, but sometimes three. Does that mean Brady's going to play for three? Doesn't mean that, but it does mean that his decision will be a little easier if he knows Leonard Fournette is here, if he knows Chris Godwin is here, um, you know, and if he knows Ryan Jensen is here. So, an awful lot easier for him to think that, you know, they can win and winning is what he's about. So I, I do believe that it, it's a better environment for him to stick around more than one year. I, I, I don't know that at this point, since he retired once, that there's any way you can reasonably say, you know, well, he came back. It's got to be for more than one year. First of all, he only has one more year on his contract and they have not done anything with it yet. Um, they could restructure it and get some more salary cap room uh, with some voidable years that they have already on the back end. But in, unless he adds to it, and I don't know why he would, you know, that's, that's the other part of this whole narrative when he was out was, well, you know, remember it was like, well, he really wants to play for San Francisco. I know Mike Florio was pushing that. And the Bucks at the Combine, Bruce Arians, they was asked, well, what if Brady came to the Bucks and said, hey, I want to play, but I, I, I want to play somewhere else. And that's when Arians said, "Nope, bad business." And he said, "For for five number four number ones or five number ones, maybe we consider it." I think that's sort of a signal to Brady that, you know, if you're under contract, we're not going to give you up. So then, why wouldn't Brady at that point, having heard that and lived through it and came back, 
why then would he want to not be a free agent? Because it's sort of the scenario that we had in New England a couple of years ago that gave you know made him a free agent to begin with. He knew in uh, control to some degree, but he knew that the Patriots didn't want him um, you know beyond the 2019 season. So he knew he was going to be a free agent, and he said he started the season with the understanding that this was probably it for him because he didn't have a contract. And he could do the same thing again, you know, whether he retires, whether he wants to play somewhere else, it will be his choice and his choice alone. So I don't see, like earlier on I've been saying, oh, yeah, sure, he'll sign another extension because, one, it helps him with the salary cap, and, two, he doesn't have to answer questions about the farewell tour. I, I'm I'm kind of like of the other opinion now. I have flopped, and I admit it because this is a mailbag question. I have to be right about it. Um, I I don't see – I'm not saying he won't restructure because he can do that, but I don't think in terms of adding another year, which binds him to Tampa, I don't see how that's in his interest. You know, so I I would be surprised by that. So, could he, does it make it more likely? I mean, if he if he wants to, he's going to have a good team from that standpoint. But but he can make that decision year to year. You know, if if he wins and wants to walk away, you know, into the sunset as a champion, that's one thing. If he doesn't, he wants to fight it again fight to live another day, come back with the same group, though you know the Bucks will welcome. It's not a question of whether Tampa uh, would say no to Tom Brady. I don't think they'd ever say no to him. So he doesn't need a contract to say, I want to play with you again. Um, but for him personally, I don't know why you'd want to lock yourself in, especially what after you know Arian said that they would not be inclined to trade you. All right, Thad had tweeted us. He said, given where Jason Pierre-Paul and Indomitian Sue are in their careers, what would preclude the Bucks from offering each a part-time role at a reduced rate? No OTAs, limited training camp, reduced practice time. Just give us 30 to 40 snaps on Sundays for 3 to $4 million each and a chance for a second ring. Well, there's a couple things there. One, I don't think they would play for 3 or $4 million. And I think, you know, for as much as we talk about, you know, the Bucks and, you know, their ability to, you know, to run it back and get 22 players back from the Super Bowl team. None of those guys gave it a discount. I mean, really, they didn't. I mean, Sue played for eight or nine million. Uh, JPP was under contract already. Uh, I don't see them taking the 50% off discount to try to win another ring. Both those guys have won Super Bowls at this point. And while they love winning and they probably love playing for Tom Brady, the question is, is it not just a good fit for them, but what interest have the Bucks shown them? I don't necessarily know the answer to it. I know that I've seen JPP's name linked with the Dallas Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers. I haven't heard anybody talk about him coming back here. And the reason is, not just his age, but they drafted Joe Tryon Shawinka. And when you draft somebody in the first round like that and they play, uh, you know, when JPP was hurt and played well, um, you know, you can't have a veteran because if JPP's back on this team, he's going to expect and probably need to play. And that's just not going to help with the development of, of Joe Tryon. So I, I think I think you need to clear that deck for him to let let Joe Tryon Schwinka go and, and play that position and know it's his position for a year, uh, make mistakes, make corrections, get better, improve technique, and see what you've got. And sometimes... You have to get, you know, it's addition by subtraction. You have to move the piece to let somebody else come in there and, and, and see if he can get the job done and, and he's younger, might maybe more durable, and ultimately might, might be as good or a better player, which is saying something because JPP is great. Um, and Sue, 
listen, same thing. I mean, Sue's like 35 years old, and they re-signed Will Golston, who's all of 30, uh, will turn 31 before the season. That feels to me, and they're not the same guy necessarily, but that feels to me like an either-or. Like, What is the rush to sign William Golston to a one-year deal? William Golston had no desire to leave Tampa. Maybe it's simply because you could, and so you did. Uh, or maybe it's so, you know, if you don't get Sue, eh, at least you're covered, you know. And they they probably know what kind of contract that Ndamukong is looking for. And look, the guy's never missed a single play in his career. It's remarkable what a record he has. And he's coming off one of his better seasons sack-wise. So I'm not completely ruling it out, but I'm saying, I, I you know, is a good likelihood that they draft a defensive tackle and they want to get younger. They have to get younger. Um and Vitave is now, you know, got his contract extension. He's sort of entering the prime of his career. You want to put somebody next to him, they can grow together as opposed to, you know, the one-year mercenary rule that that Sue has had every season. So I think that they're not going to play for a reduced price, first of all. And in the case of JPP, I think he's gone, and I'm waiting to see if Sue's going to be on this football team. I'm not sure that he will. All right, Bug tweeted us. He said, are the Buccaneers going to add more defensive players in free agency? To go with our own free agents, Logan Ryan was nice, but hoped for n- more new names. Yeah, you know, from what I've been told, um, and I think Logan Ryan is a big pickup, uh, and there's a lot of things about that deal that the Bucks really like. From what I've been told, the focus is on their own guys. And, you know, they've gotten a good number of them back already. We just talked about Sue. He's still a possibility on defense. Um, so you never say never. I mean, where where are they? You know, you can always use another corner. I I think some of that are they done thing. Like there's there's several phases of free agency, right? There's the the negotiating phase where you hear guys are reaching agreements with teams that can't announce it until Wednesday. Uh, then by Wednesday you have sort of that elite pool of free agents that have reached agreements that's dumped out there and you see the names and we all know them. Uh, the closer we get to the draft, the more teams pull back from free agency because they want to see what needs they fill, especially early in the, in the draft process before they commit, you know, to a veteran player at a specific position. Because sometimes if you draft, like, say, a defensive tackle in the first round, unless he's just, you know, out of his mind, over, you know, over his head type situation, you want to give the guy reps. You want them to grow as quickly as possible with Vita Vea and put him out there. And if you have a veteran like Indomitian Sue, you're not going to bench him, and he ain't playing for $4 million. So I, I, don't, I don't see those guys, you know – Look, I think Ryan will make a big impact. They could add a defensive player. They need some depth at the cornerback position. Um, but you're not going to see Tyron Matthew in here, for example. You're not going to see, I think, whatever big name might still be available on defense. I, I think their defense is what we think it is. And the draft is going to add to it the way it added Joe Trienko, Shawinka last year. You still have your two linebackers. You're... You lost Jordan Whitehead. You added Ryan. You still have your corners and your safeties. You got Carlton Davis back, Sean Murphy bunting, Jamel Dean, and then you know other other players in the secondary that filled in a year ago. So it's really not from a free agent standpoint. There, I don't see a lot of signings except their own. 
I really think that the focus now will be mostly on their own guys. Doesn't mean that after the draft you won't have some bargains when teams cut players because they have to make room for their rookies because that's the secondary part of free agency comes after the draft. And I think the Bucks will be interested and in, in, in involved in that. That's how they got Giovanni Bernard, for example. They're going to need more running backs. You can see cut loose. So there'll be another phase of free agency, and, and maybe that'll include some depth at the corner position, maybe some depth at the defensive line. Um, they're good at outside linebacker with Anthony Nelson and others. So, yeah, that's kind of I, – I, I don't expect a ton of, of defensive help from the outside. All right, Ellis tweeted, As it stands currently, what position do you see the Buccaneers targeting in the first round of the NFL draft? Any ideas on the second round? If we knew what was in the first round, the ideas in the second round would evolve, right? Um, but I think the way the draft sets up, that there's a good chance that an interior defensive lineman, which they need, we talked about Sue, and they need somebody to play next to Vea, could be available down there at 27. Um, you know, if he's not, it's a good wide receiver draft. You go, well, they possibly couldn't sign another wide receiver. Don't be so sure. You know, um, Mike Evans is entering his ninth year. Chris Godwin's coming off an ACL. What if I told you, and Godwin couldn't give us a date, but what if I told you that Godwin's not going to be ready till October, right? And you have Gage and you have Evans. And, yes, they re-signed Brett, you know, uh, Bashard Perriman, and uh, we know about Sorrell Grayson, but what if the best player on the board, bar none, was a wide receiver? Would that prevent them from taking him? I don't think it would. Um but they have needs, obviously, at the interior defensive line position. How about the interior offensive line position? You know, uh, you have five starters, but what what's behind them, especially at center and guard and, and so forth? You know about Robert Hainsey, obviously, that's in, entering his second year from Notre Dame. Um, you could use some help there. Um, and then always defensive backs. I think Jason Light has drafted one every year. And then running back. Uh, you know, even though Leonard Fournette is back and you have Keyshawn Vaughn, you know, it wouldn't preclude them from trying to upgrade from Keyshawn. And I'm not saying they take him in the first pick, uh, first round at least, but you could use a running back slash kick returner, somebody to help you on special teams. That wouldn't be a bad way to go. And tight end, we don't know if Gronk is coming back, right? So right now it's sitting here with, you know, with Cam Brate. Um, you're going to need more tight ends. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of positions and, my guess is the number one thing is interior defensive line. If they just had their pure wish list, I think it would, I think it would be a defensive lineman uh, with the first pick. All right, John tweeted, said after Chris Godwin signed for three years, Devontae Adams signs for three years at 28 mil per year. Now Tyreek Hill signs a three-year $70 million deal and a trade to the Dolphins. These look deliberately short. Can you speculate about how much the NFLPA and agents expect the salary cap will rise by 2025? You mean the length of the contracts are short? I'm assuming that's what he means. Yeah, only yeah. three years for I, all these deals. I think I think that you're going to see more of that in the league. Period. Um, you know, the it money seems like is while, cha- while while the deals are short, it seems like more of the money is guaranteed. More money's guaranteed. It feels like that, at least to me. I, I, I mean, I'm, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it is, and I think that's really the guarantee is all that matters, right? Mm-hmm. So. You know, you get what you can get guaranteed, and that's going to kind of help determine how many years uh, you're going to be under contract for. But listen, the salary cap has gone up, with the exception of the COVID year, uh, dramatically every season. And there's more and more money into the pool. 
And I think players are moving more than ever these days and trying to get paid and trying to get to that next deal. You know, if you think this deal was good, wait three years. And like you said, all of a sudden Mike Evans and, and Chris Gowan look underpaid. And so um, you worked hard to get to the first free agency. Why not get to it sooner than later? You know, again, lots of people want to win. It, it was the old, the old uh, Derek Brooks used to say, everybody want to die. Nobody wants to go to heaven. But no, everybody wants to go to heaven. No, I screwed it up. Everybody goes to heaven. Nobody wants to die. That's what he used to say. And that's that's sort of the way it is, you know, with free agent. Like they all want to get paid, but do they want to really commit more than two or three years? Because uh, then they want to get paid again uh, and have the freedom of movement and stuff. So it's only what they guarantee you. And in the most most part, most most players get guaranteed about two years' salary in this even in this free agent market. So, but I think these short contracts are here to stay, and you know, good for the players. I think it's working out for them. I think they're kind of kind of feeling their way through the rules and they see they see the huge television uh packages they see the revenues that are coming in they see the salary cap going up exponentially every year by a lot and it's 208 million this year um so that's their motivation is to get back out there be a free agent again and and make even more money talked about tv we haven't even talked about all the uh, announcer shuffling going on oh that's right yeah how about monday night football now yeah Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, and you see Kirk Herbstreet now. Michael's doing Thursday night on Amazon Prime, and I did, yeah. Broadcast. I mean, now Michael's. I mean, you know, him and Chris Collinsworth did you know Sunday nights, and they were great for a while. I wonder who's going to step into that Sunday night role. And will Chris slide into that? Will he slide into? Actually, like it's going to be Mike last... Tirico. They've already pretty much determined. Yeah, it's Tirico. Yeah. yeah, it's Tirico. He's the head of NBC. I mean, he's the face of that network, sports yep. network, anyway. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a lot of move. And look, I mean, do you think Troy Aikman ever thought he could make $20 million calling games? <laughs> I mean, he wouldn't have played. This is the thing. That's the other reason why it's good to retire because the, the money in broadcasting is, is almost as much or more than what these guys made as a quarterback. And you don't take any hits? No hits. That's right. I'm going to combine a couple questions here from Boog who said, why didn't the Buccaneers offer Jordan Whitehead? Did they know that Logan Ryan would come to Tampa? And he also asked, we know they didn't offer Whitehead anything. Do we know what Kappa was offered, and how large was the gap that made him say no to Tom Brady? You know, I wish I had the answers to some of this. I would just speculate a little bit on the Whitehead situation. I think they really, really like Gordon, and I'm not sure if the reports are true that they didn't offer him. First of all, what's an offer, right? Like, Usually you talk to agents and they give you parameters. That's sort of like, what are you looking for, right? Mm -hmm. It's like when you go to a casino and you want to play blackjack, right? And you walk by the tables and you say, you know what? This table, to sit here at this table, it's $25 a hand. To sit at this table, it's 100 To sit at that table over there in that little smoky room, that's 1000 right? Um, so Whitehead may have set whatever his price was. For them to sit at the table, and they said we we're not going to sit at that table. In other words, he got a pretty good contract from the Jets, and the fact is, is as much as they love Jordan Whitehead, and they, and they did, uh, and still do, they also have two safeties that are back, you know, and those guys are going to also come up for contracts in before long. But Antoine Winfield Jr., Mike Edwards. Now, the beauty of the Logan Ryan thing, and this is a team with salary cap issues, and 
And the thing about salary cap, you can stretch it and you can do a lot of things with it and borrow on credit and all that. And that's true. Um, but, you know, it's an allocation system. So where do I spend my resources? Where do I need to plug holes? You know, where do I need to make, like, I couldn't, I need to make sure I had an offensive line. I mean, all these guys were free agents, right? So I had to have a center. I had to have a guard. Um, as far as Kappa goes, I don't know what the Bucks offered him. Uh, he was kind of on Spotrack, projected to make $10 million a year, and that's about what I think he made. Um, and then they made a nice save by you know getting a guard from New England, mm-hmm. and I think they're going to be fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you just – uh, they like Whitehead, but they 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 were covered there. Um, Kappa, they had a number. He chose to go, you know, go to Cincinnati and get paid as much as he could. Um, it's just it's just a case by case basis. You put a value on each player, and you go, I think he's going to make X, and then the player goes, No, I I deserve Y. And then when the market opens, sometimes it helps, like it did with Leonard Fournette. I'm convinced that when Leonard Fournette went to New England hoping and expecting $12 million a year because he said he was a top-five running back. When he went up there, whatever parameters they talked, whether it was an offer or not, um, he got a good sense that, you know what, the Bucks are right. The Bucks value they have on me is about right. And if I'm going to take that number, I might as well stay in Tampa. And I think that's what happened. He signed, or didn't sign, but he agreed to terms the very night that he was in New England. So he got some information up there. Uh, so when is an offer an offer? Did New England offer him anything, or did he just visit? Uh, we may never know, but we do know that quickly after that visit, he got a deal done here in Tampa Bay. Um, so you can't sign everybody. You deal from strength, like they were in the secondary and in, in the safety position, and then you just you know you hope for the best. All right, Greg tweeted us. He said, with most of the star quarterbacks in the AFC. Will anything less than a division title and playing in the NFC Championship game be considered a bad season for the Bucks? I think I said this last year, and I'll keep saying it as long as number 12 is out there, TB12. I don't know that there's bad season. I mean, I don't know what that is. I mean, this is a franchise you know, that went 12 years without making the playoffs. So let's be honest, folks. Are you happy with 29 wins in two years in a Super Bowl? You're damn right you are. Are you happy that you know, they won an NFC South title that they hadn't done in years and years? You betcha. Um, you were one bad, you know, play slip, whatever, from playing the 49ers in a championship game and or going to a, a, a Super Bowl. But I do think that if your quarterback is Tom Brady, they're not playing for division titles. They're not playing for Pro Bowls. Uh, they're not playing to get close but no cigar. They're playing to win Super Bowls. So from that standpoint, only one team is happy at the end of each year, and Brady said that, you know, before he retired. Um but he plays to win. Like my old friend Herm Everett, you play to win the game. Hello. You play to go to Super Bowls. And anything less than that is just a, you know kind of a number on a page, right? Uh, there's 31 teams that didn't get it done. And what was your record? Well, it doesn't matter because you didn't get it done. So most of the star quarterbacks, they are in the AFC. I think that's going to help Brady. To me, it's going to be Dallas will get some run because it's Dallas and Dak Prescott. Uh, Arizona on the off chance that Kyler Murray gets happy and they improve that ball club, although they've had terrible finishes every year. And then it's really it's the Packers who have lost Devontae Adams and the Bucks in an NFC South division, they should win. Not automatic. New Orleans owns them. 
have their number. James is motivated, all of that. So not a sure thing. Um, but they, they, you know, it's always Super Bowl or bust if you have Tom Brady because what's he playing for? I mean, this is not a guy, I mean, he has seven rings. He could walk away. He wants eight. He, he said it. My favorite ring is the next one. And everybody knows that in Tampa, and that's why they're going to push back contracts, try to resign as many guys as they can, and try to run it back because as long as Tom Brady is their quarterback and he stays healthy, they're going to make the postseason. Uh, and, you know, with any luck at all, they'll get back into the Super Bowl. All right, Brian tweeted, Is there any concern going into next year with Levante David's injury-prone last season? Should the Bucks address the inside linebacker position early in the draft to have a capable backup? I think you're always concerned anytime a player gets hurt, and most of the time, and I think we saw this last year with Richard Sherman, JPP, very few players get older and healthier and more productive as they age. Very few in this game. It doesn't really go that way. Tom Brady. Okay. Tom Brady, notwithstanding, he's a freak. <laughs> he's a goat. I, have, you have to, I always have the disclaimer, then there's Tom Brady. But most players, most human players, don't don't do that. Players who don't have Alex Guerrero and eat avocado ice cream and, and, and have seven rings um, don't get better with age. And so um, I think Levante, when he's healthy, uh, is extremely good and a great compliment to Devin White and somebody they rely on heavily. But I think the next inside linebacker, believe it or not, I think is on this roster. I think it's K.J. Britt. K.J. Britt's a football player, and he's not the fastest guy in the world, and obviously they're going to miss Levante's speed when and if he's out of there. Um, but, man, that's a football player, and he plays fast, and he is in the right positions. And I, I hope we see more of him in the preseason and maybe some some reps in the regular season. The guy that has to get better, and he knows it, that didn't have a stellar year was was Devin White. I I sat here and said, that Devin White I thought was going to be a defensive year, uh, defensive player of the year candidate, and he wasn't. And he wasn't by far, and his numbers were way down. And he hates it when people bring that up, and he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Um, and he's gotten some you know, some mean tweets or whatever. So I think he's going to come back and be motivated and, and you know, watch film better and all that stuff. But I, I'm not sure Levante David's replacement isn't sort of here um, in KJ Britt, who they really, really like. Now, different guy. Like I said, experience is zero, all of that. But they they like this linebacker. And yes, they could draft one. Uh, you know, again, you, you try to cover yourself with every position that if you have to go out and play, you can play today and win. And when free agency, you know, when we get to the draft, that's where you want to be as a team. You just sort of support everything with the players in the draft, especially the high picks. Um, if a guy's better than somebody you have already, then he's going to start. Um, but I think, I, I, I think Levante is going to be okay. It's his last year in a contract, you know, but I think, I think they really like KJ Britton. I, I'm anxious to see what he'll do if, and when he gets his chance to play. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Right, Carl tweeted, with the 49ers turning down the Tom Brady opportunity, does he have a personal animosity towards John Lynch? Do these players take business things personally? Usually don't air dirty laundry unless you're A.B. He mentions Bo Jackson and Doug Williams versus the Bucks. Marty St. Louis still pissed at Iserman. Do the athletes take this stuff personally? Absolutely. And, I, and the greater the athlete, the more personal they take it. You know, and we you saw the Michael Jordan thing, right? And he would almost invent controversies and things to, to, to make that chip on his shoulder grow even wider. It's amazing to me. Uh, what is Tom Brady's motivation? Like, possibly, what is it that he hasn't done uh, in this game that would keep him playing? And how does he motivate himself? And it's, you know, the old carrying the, you know, 199 card in his pocket. Um it's not personal with John Lynch. Um, I know it's not from Lynch's standpoint. They made a business decision, and they made it as a as a franchise when Tom came out in 2000, as did most teams to pass on him until the sixth round when the Patriots got him. They, the 49ers, his hometown team, the team that he grew up you know, watching, Joe Montana and Steve Young at the games, the candlestick and all of that, um, they drafted Gio, Gino, Gio, Gino Carmazzi or whatever his name was um, back in the day. Tom went 199 to the Patriots, played 20 seasons. And then the most astounding thing happened to the 49ers. Tom's representatives reached out to them, the only team that they actually reached out to, from what I understand, and said, yo, uh, the GOAT over here, he'd like to play for your team. But 49ers had to meet about it. It's, this is Tom Brady. You don't just, just blow it off. But they did. They met about it. And ironically, Jimmy Garoppolo, who used to back him up in New England, had just lost the Super Bowl, and he did lose it in the fourth quarter, going 3 of 11, missing open targets. Um, But they had a huge salary cap number for him. You talk about numbers. um, To cut him, that would have accelerated his his cap value. They'd have paid a ton of money for a quarterback they didn't have that was going to another team. And – they had that discussion and decided Brady at 43 wasn't as good as what they thought they had in Garoppolo. And the irony is, is that they went out and had to draft a quarterback anyway. And Garoppolo is most likely going to be tra- you know, traded for a mid round pick. My thought is this, that Tom Brady wasn't drafted by them. And he right there from San Mateo that hurt. Then when he becomes a free agent upon learning this, um, the 49ers have another shot and they, they say no to him again. I'm of the belief that he has a huge chip on his shoulder and there is no way, no way that Tom Brady would give them even a chance to tell him no for a third time. That's what I believe. Uh, Trey Lance will be their quarterback. I think Brady could have done very well out there. Um, It's not personal unless it's personal on Tom's side. I know it's not on John's, but they sort of cast the die a year ago and I don't think they get a third bite of the apple. And oh, by the way, the Bucks play at San Francisco this year. And you'll get your answer when you see how many points he tries to put up on those guys. It won't be easy because they have a really good team. Um, but 
it's it's going to be fun to watch him back in his hometown, much like he went back to New England. Now he's going back to his hometown there and playing against the 49ers. All right, we'll switch sports to baseball, and Michael tweeted, what is your favorite move the Rays have made this offseason? Wow, favorite move. Um, it's a good question because they have such a their, – their team is fairly set. I don't know that they have a lot of free agents. I, I like Corey Kluber. Kluber's okay. And, and, I don't know if he's – He's a back you know, end of your rotation guy. He's not going to be your first or second end, or third. Yeah. So right. a veteran guy who – I think can help a lot of young pitchers. I think he can give you enough innings on that back end of that, that starting rotation. I mean, you're not expecting him to be race right. or your number two. That's not what you signed him for. Um, I like that move. Um, I like that they haven't traded Tyler Glass now. I was good. I was going to be mine. They, 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 they reached a $5 million arbitration settlement with him and they control him. And I think that was a smart thing, whether you end up trading him later or not. Just the fact that they still are affiliated with Tyler Glass now, I thought was, was what, I, what I wanted them to do and what ultimately they did do. All right. Les tweeted us, how many wins do the Rays get this year? I see some issues with the pitching, and the AL East looks tough, except the Orioles. So I'm saying 88 wins, and they win a wild card spot. What do you say? Well, I mean, look, they, they've won 90, what, three, four years in a row now, and they won the division a couple times. They won 100 last I, year. Won 100 last year. I would agree that the division is going to be tougher this year, more balanced, with the exception of Baltimore. I think anybody could win it. I really do. One through four. Um, and... I still think, I mean, they've been consistent. 88 is pretty close to 90. I, I would say 90 games is sort of in the sweet spot. You can go under over on that. But I, I think they're going to win 90. It's hard to win 90. It really is. You've got you to be, be great and consistent, and that's what they've been. Uh, to predict that they're going to win 100 or 97 or something like that would kind of be – that wouldn't be paying attention to just sort of how I think these teams in the NL East are going to kind of knock each other off over and over and over again. They play each other 19 times. So a lot of it will depend yes. on whether you take care of business in the other divisions. It's going to kind of separate you, and that's that's sort of what happened a year ago. Um, but that, that may be my favorite part of the CBA, by the way. Next year's schedule. Balanced, right? Play, well, I mean, you'll play your division more than others, but you're not going to play them 19 times. Yeah. You're going like to play that. every team in the league every year. I like now, that. you're not going to get them at home every year. So, like, you may go to, let's just say, the Pirates this year. The next yeah. year they'd come to you. I like you know, that. So, but you're going to play every team every year. So, it, which means less divisional games. So it's not going to be 19 versus the Orioles. Although last year the Rays went 18 and one against them, so that was good. But, mm-hmm. but I, I do like seeing every team every year. I mean, you're not going to see them at home, but you'll see them every year. Yeah. Yeah, and teams that way they don't get punished for being in the toughest division, and you know. You can't get more than one AL East team because they beat each other up. They play each other 19 times where you have a maybe a weak central where, you know, one team wins, you know, 80 games or 84 games and ends up the division champ. Like, So I, I, I do like the balanced schedule. And you get a chance to see more teams too, which is nice. Tom tweeted, The Rays have always relied on creativity and being smarter in their strategy. With that being said, how will the ban of the shift affect them? You know what's funny? Um... I get this feeling that the Rays 
aren't going to panic about that. In fact, I just think that they have a team that if you look at how it's constructed, right, um, they have speed, they have athleticism, okay? And you can do a lot of things defensively with those traits. You know, their outfield is extremely fast. Shift, no shift, whatever. Um, infielders are very good. But mostly, like, they have a lot of contact guys. You know, a lot of guys that move the baseball now. It's not it's not sort of the old old rays at times where you struck out a lot. And so, whether it's a Rosarena, Wander Franco, those guys, um, I think they're going to benefit as much as it's going to hurt them. You know, they were the kings of the shift and all of that. Um, but when you have the athleticism that they have and the gloves that they have and the outfitters that they have and the pitching that they have, um, you know, a lot of times, how many times you see a ground ball right through the shift, right? Guys didn't handle the bat. They're still up there trying to launch. That's why the shift worked is it, you know, hitters didn't try to make the adjustment. So I don't think it's going to be a big deal for them. I know a lot of people think this is sort of the anti-raise thing. Oh, they're trying to, mm, if everybody has to do it, I'll take the team that can play in the big ballpark, pick up extra bases, run well, move guys along. Um, I think I think the Rays will do all those baseball things, and they they may get more hits through the hole, and 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 instead of having to hit into the shift as any team. Well, and let's not forget we've got another year till that goes into effect, and That's exactly true. how the rules will be next year. So, you know, the Rays will also take time to figure out data. They may experiment mm-hmm. in the minors with some stuff. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams will. You know, you may yeah. go ahead and your minors not play as many shifts and just try to see what works and doesn't. So, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if there's any front office that can figure out how to best put people in positions to succeed, you got to think uh, this one's one of them. Absolutely, no doubt. All right, Brian tweeted: The Dodgers were able to sign Freddie Freeman. Do they have one of the best lineups put together now? By far, the best in baseball, right, Steve? No, one of the best. I mean, they got four former MVPs on that team. I mean, so I'm saying, like, like where where is there where is there an out? I mean, yeah, Freddie Freeman, um, <laughs> he just a left handed bat at that. I mean, they're the best that money can buy. Let's put it that way. And anytime, you and they go have a good farm system. That's they're yeah. what the Yankees have never been able to put together. Right? Is they buy players, but their farm system's just as loaded too. Mm-hmm. No, Andrew Freeman, the worst, you know, the best thing for the Dodgers, what they they got a guy who, you know, had done it without the payroll, but knew how to build an organization, knew how to build up the minor leagues, knew, knew was good at drafting, all that stuff. And then you give him $250, $300 million or whatever they spend. I mean, it's the best of all worlds for him. He's in a candy store. Um, and he knows what a player looks like, and he can buy any player he wants just about. So... Yeah, dude, I, I don't think it's – I mean, you know, Toronto's got some guys that can mash. Um, the Red Sox, I don't know, really. I'm trying to think of who else is a great offensive team in the American League or the National League. The Astros have always been a good lineup. Astros have a good hitting team. And Correa's yeah. gone now. He's gone on to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Reds had their time. I don't know if they have – No, they've dismantled that team, so. They dismantled it, yeah. Oh, the fans up there are not happy. Really? Some of these teams aren't spending money. I saw that. Yeah, I mean, the Rays aren't anywhere near the bottom of the payroll. <laughs> no. 
Cleveland, you see Cleveland? They're yeah, complaining Cleveland's about low, them. Pittsburgh's low. I mean, yeah. Cincinnati's gotten rid of a lot of players. And just as the Bengals are going for everything, <laughs> and Cincinnati, the Reds, the Reds are tanking again. Yeah, it's not Champa Bay and Cincinnati, right? No. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Rays are up there. I mean, I think their lineup's going to be really good. But, yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that's what you, you know, when you get to the postseason, and that's where the Rays have let, that's where they've struggled. They've not been able to score enough runs. And, you know, navigating those lineups two and three and four times through, really tough when you have that many guys that can mash. And I, it'll probably happen again. You know, the Dodgers will, will be there. The interesting thing was last year is just how that, you know, that race between the, the Giants and the Dodgers went and how they both won so many games and, you know, uh, could have gone either way. But, the, you know, I, if the Dodgers aren't back in the World Series, it would surprise me. It just would. I just think they're that good and have that much talent and pitching is a big part of it, I know, but they can mash. It's a great lineup. There's not a better one, I don't think, in baseball. All right, we'll end on this one. And Luis had tweeted us. He says, is Andre Vasilevsky performing at his highest caliber so far this season? I've been watching most of the games compared to past years, and it feels like some soft goals are let in this season. Not sure if it's the players in front of him or if it's him. Well, I, I don't have the numbers. I, th- I would imagine that his save percentage might not be what it's always been. Um, but I don't know that they've always played well around him this year. Is he Is he not playing as well? I mean, it depends. Like right now, you know, they've they've given up a ton a ton of power play goals because they're in the penalty box way too much, and that's a he's problem. Their be- mm-hmm. He's their best penalty killer. But when you're giving up, not only not only just giving up shots off off power plays and an occasional goal, but you're also killing momentum. I mean, you, your best players, you know, it, it's always in their your zone when they have the puck in the power play your best players are on the bench Stamkos and Point and those guys except for Stamkos taking face offs but no Kucherov um you're not helping your goaltender at all he's not getting a break so right now uh it hasn't been good during this little slump um he's still good I mean I I still say every game that they could you know the other team could score eight goals if it weren't for some of the saves he makes um I still think I think he's generally looked upon in the NHL as the best goaltender in the world, although he's not going to win the Vesna this year uh, again. But Even though he's leading the NHL and wins again. Even though he has the most wins. And, you know, that's still great. All he does is win. Um, but statistically, is he playing his best hockey? Is he allowing the few? No, he's not. He's not playing. He's not having that year. No, but I no. think the breakdown's in front of him. Haven't I think it's in front of him. I think it's defense, yeah. I, I think, you know, they're still trying to figure out that shutdown line, mm-hmm. that you know, that line they could throw out when things got bad, Gord, Gaudreau, Coleman. That's it. They're still trying to figure out how to piece that together, which is why they traded for Brendan Hagel, why they traded for Nick Paul. You know, and they, they gave up Matthew Joseph and Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk. That, yep. And it's not that those guys are bad. It's to help us this year win a cup, we still have to figure out that grit, that sandpaper, that – that doesn't matter what you do. We're going to shut you down moments right. in the game. And they haven't been able to to duplicate that from years past this year. I mean, you know, there's still incredible amount of points at this point. They're going to make the playoffs. They're a really good team. But they haven't figured that part out yet. And how they piece together those new pieces, and, and I think Zach Bogosian being back and healthy now will help too on the back end. 
Uh, although I think Cal Foot made a lot of progressions so far this year and has done well. Um, you know, so I, it's I don't know if Assey's not playing as well. I think you're seeing a, a lot of power play goals in, which isn't good. I mean, their power pl- penalty kill percentage is like 20th in the league. That's you, normally they're higher than that. Um, and again, you know, the first lines over the the wall and penalty kill last year was uh, Coleman and Goudreau, and then Gord would be out on the second unit. Well, th- those three were all gone. I mean, Belmar's done well, and Matthew Joseph, and now you've got Nick Paul and Brendan Hagel that can play there, and Cloran and Sorelli are playing there. But, you know, it, it's uh, – I mean, I still think he's the best goalie in the world. He may not be having the best season, and maybe he doesn't deserve the Vesna this year so far, although I mean, he'll be a finalist, and, and deservedly so. Um, I think a lot of it is the team in front of him and, and just, they just haven't, they just don't have that, that shutdown line that when you need a stop, when you need to grab momentum, you could throw that line over or a group of guys over the, the boards and, and kind of seize it from it. And they haven't, they don't have that yet. They're still, they're still trying to figure that out. Yeah. And it'll be, it'll be a process. I mean, the one thing I'll say is that, there's not another goaltender I think you would want in the postseason than that guy because we've seen what he can do. He can absolutely take over a series. You get him in elimination games. He doesn't allow a goal. Um, everybody's dialed in a little bit more. But it's going to take him. And the good thing is they have you know, 19, 18, 19 games to try to get the new guys incorporated and try to find that shutdown line. You know, Right now they're not getting a lot of scoring, and, and that's because you're you're – giving up so many penalties that you're on the so they got to cut that out first and foremost but Vassy of all the things you have to worry about with the lightning I think he's the last of it to be honest with you thanks for your questions hey we recognize that free agency is fluid uh, there's a chance that maybe a couple moves have been made uh, since we uh, did this podcast so you want to go to tampabay.com and check out the Tampa Bay Times for all of that news big weekend for the Tampa Bay Lightning as their road trip continues they're at Detroit on Saturday, that's an afternoon game at 12.30. Then it's over to uh, the New York Islanders. That's also an afternoon game on Sunday at 2 o'clock. So we'll be uh, following them, talk about all of that on Monday, as well as whatever might happen with the Rays and the Bucks, etc. So we appreciate you guys listening every Monday through Friday. For Steve Burstyn, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. 